Packers again. Philadelphia, we are back. We are live. You're listening to The Bank Statement. It's your boy, Dave Costa. We're out here with Alex, AK47, Cal. What up, what up, what up? Sports are back. We are back. Everything is good, man. This is, this is what it's all about. Everything is right in the world. Everything is good, man. You know what? 2020 has been a tough time for a lot of people out there, us included. Everybody's kind of been going through it a little bit. But sports have brought us back to the fundamentals of what makes life great. Um, we've got a lot to talk about today. We certainly do. And if, if, uh, if everybody out there is anything like me, past couple months, you know, has been a waiting game. It's been a, you know, you, we've been done with it internally. But the one thing that's kept me going has just been waiting until till that start of the NBA season, that NHL season, that MLB season. You know, there's still a lot in the air of, of what's going on. But the fact that I can turn my TV on and, and tune into a game, you know, things Things are starting to feel a little bit better these days. Yeah, no doubt, man, no doubt. I remember way back in May when this whole thing shut down. Actually, I think it was before that, maybe uh, end of March when sports started to shut down. You were like, man, I would pay any amount of money to watch some playoff basketball right now. And what's awesome is we're about to enter that phase. And I guess we got to start off the show with some bad news. Um, for those of you guys that oh, haven't heard out don't there, do it. Ben Simmons, done for the year. Oh. AK, so it's official. It's you broke this news to me. You broke this news to me maybe, what, 20 minutes ago? This is, this is official. I haven't read anything. I haven't seen anything. This is real? This is official news. Ben Simmons is out for the remainder of the season. Uh, he's having surgery on his knee. And it's just another, it's another postseason run for this Sixers team without either Ben or Joe. Um, and it's just one frustration after the next with this squad, man. And tell me your thoughts. I mean, are you – do you have any so when you say guys? When you say it's another postseason run without either Ben or Joe, do you mean it's because last year we didn't really have Joe, so we had Ben without Joe, and this year we're going to have Joe without Ben? Or are you assuming that we're not going to have Joe this year because of injury history and we're not going to have either? No, I'm not going to assume that. I mean, it's a little frustrating with Embiid just constantly having one nagging thing after the other. But I mean more so there hasn't been a playoff run with the two of these guys to where one of them isn't injured. You know, you have Joe going back with the face. Last year, he was sick half the playoffs, it felt like. And half there's just the no, there's no, there's no continuity going on with this squad. And it's frustrating. It makes you think, are they ever going to get to the place where we actually get to see what they can do? I don't know, dude. I mean, it, it's such a bizarre feeling because part of me is just like, I don't even feel the full emotion of being upset about it because I have never been able to feel the full emotion of the excitement. I just feel like this is the norm. Like if this injury did not happen and if he wasn't ruled out for the rest of the season, I would almost feel like things were not right in the world because being a Sixers fan is all about being let down. And this is, this is just apropos, 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 you know what I'm it talking about, my bro. We got to run that back. Apro, apro, bro, with my bro. <laughs> it's apropos. I don't even sure. know. I don't know. I don't know how to wrap my head around it because it's like, you know. I mean, first of all, if he was in, if if this wasn't a topic, we would be frustrated for different reasons. At this point, I'm just more distraught. I'm sad. Like, I'm. I, why? Why do we do? Why do we go through this? Well, I mean. 
so I guess let's take it back to the other piece you just said, because you're like, if we weren't frustrated about this, we'd be frustrated for a completely different reason. And I agree. And I think both of us are on the same page. I won't speak for you, but both of us are on the same page. The Sixers weren't going to win the championship this year. They just, they, I think we both believe they have the talent, at least I do, um, on the roster from just a sheer talent perspective. But tell me your thoughts on this team kind of before going into this, uh, the bubble. Even starting the first couple games in the bubble, you start to see them come out, playing the defense of where they're playing, giving up a ton of points, not really gelling together correctly. Al Horford still looks lost. Tell me your thoughts on the team before the injury. Because now, all of a sudden, I think we both agree, and I think most Philadelphia fans agree. We hope not. Let's hope Ben, uh, Joe can carry us, um, and everybody else can kind of step up into the roles that they're kind of supposed to play. But what's your role on the team, or what's your view on the team before all this? Yeah, I mean, you, you said it. Like, hopefully Joe can step up. We, there's this underlying feeling of, like, could we be a better team? Obviously, I think we're both of the school of thought that that's not the case. We're losing a top 10 player in the NBA. And I firmly believe that. So we're not going to be a better team. I had the thought a couple of days ago, are other fans of other teams as consistently frustrated as we are? Like, to watch your team play – do you always expect them to be better than what you're witnessing? Or is that a Philly Sixers thing? Because I feel like if we watched 15 Sixers games back to back to back to back to back, we would be happy with what we were watching one out of the 15 games. And I wonder, is that how every fan of every team feels when they're watching their team? Is that just part of being a fan? Or is that because our team is so damn frustrating? Because I was frustrated. Prior to this injury, there's no shot. We're, we're a second-round playoff team at best. Yeah, unfortunately, I agree with you, which is absurd to have two top 15 players in the entire NBA and not be a finals-guaranteed destined team, which is it's absolutely wild. I mean, to answer the question about the fan base, is I think that varies fan base to fan base. I don't really think there's another fan base out there that cares as much as Philadelphia, but I do think there's individual team fan bases that do. Like, for example, the Yankees. I mean, Yankee fans – they expect perfection from the Yankees. They expect the Yankees to win a chip every single season. They want them to, to hoist that trophy. They lose a game, they overanalyze. Very similar to Philadelphia. You go across the way to the Giants, for example, up in New York, I don't necessarily feel like they have that fiery passion. They just accept the fact. I mean, we go up there. I go up there every year for Eagles-Giants, and I'm sitting there in the sea of Eagles fans, and the Giants fans are sitting there just like, yeah, we suck, we get it, we don't care. You know, and I've been at the link when the Eagles are awful and the fans are still harassing our team because we expect them to figure it out no matter what the situation is. I mean, look at the Eagles team last year. Everybody's still going nuts about his Carson Wentz underperforming this and that. The other thing, the guy's throwing a Greg Ward, you know. So I think that's something that's innate in Philadelphia DNA, but I do think there's specific pockets of fans around. But the there's a feeling to it. There's a there feeling is. to it, right? You know, like you go back to with. On that run, even mid-season, not even to the playoffs when it, when it was really magical. You're talking mid-season. I remember having conversations with you mid-season, like this team can do it. Like we, we felt like it was just – it was right. It was good. And, yeah. and you feel good about what you're watching and what you're witnessing. And this team, everything is just like, oh. Yep. Like everything, every game. And the, the, the thing I keep saying to people is like the most, my most frustrating thing about this team. And I don't think this changes with or without Ben is we play to our competition every single game. We play the worst team in the league 
and we're either going to win or lose by five points or less. We play the Lakers, and we're going to win or lose by five points or less. We don't beat bad teams by a lot, and we don't lose to good teams by a lot. Like, that's why it's so impossible to trust this team. So yeah. the Ben thing doesn't do much for me one way or another. What it does is it shows, it tells me, all right, I'm out. Like that's, you know, like game over. Like if, if there was a chance of clicking, that chance has gone out the window. But the, your question, to answer your question, prior to the injury, my, my faith was, was for sure not there. Yeah, no, I agree. You remember watching The Last Dance and you heard Jerry Krause talk about, well, first of all, Jerry Krause is a, a phenomenal GM, in my opinion. I do think he's a clown, and I think he's got a lot of – He's a guy that him. they all hated? Yeah, he's, he's a GM. Yeah, he's a GM. Yeah. And his ego yeah. just got in the way, man. I mean, he made phenomenal moves. You look at what that guy did to surround Jordan with those key pieces, and every single one of them, right down to Steve Kerr, and you can name them all, right? He put phenomenal pieces around Jordan, around Scottie Pippen to put him there, but he had an ego problem. He just did from the jump. And the one thing he said the one time, if you watch the episode, I think it's episode two or three, He's talking about how a full organization is what wins a championship. I think it was after their second championship. And he's doing that to give himself credit. But he's got a little bit of truth in that. Because if you look at every successful organization in sports, I put the Eagles in there. I put a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers in there. I put a team like the, obviously, the New England Patriots, unfortunately, are in there. And there's these teams that have just a, a, a legacy of success, yeah. right? And it starts and you see with the top it, No matter where you're at, you see it from the outside looking in. Like, they you, have yeah. They've got they, to figure it out. They have structure. They have success from the top down. And it starts with the ownership. You look at the ownership of the Sixers, and it's very clear, man. Those guys care about making money. They don't care about winning games. They don't care about hoisting a championship. They don't care about the city of Philadelphia. They're out here trying to murder. They've the devils. They're doing all these different things. They don't care, right? Now you go down to what they did. They bring. So you're talking game. Josh Harris. I'm talking you're calling Josh out Harris. Josh Harris right now. I'm calling, I'm calling out Josh Harris. You know, there's, there's members of that group that I think do care about Philadelphia and want to see it, but I don't think Josh Harris does. I think Josh Harris is a great businessman who knows how to make money, and to be honest, all power to him. How does he have his money in the first place? Wait, uh, do we know that? I People out there know that. We should know that. Isn't he Harris Blitzer, the uh, – uh, don't, uh, don't, don't, don't assume if you don't know because we might sound silly. Yeah, no, I'm not going to know. That. Yeah, he is Harris Blitzer Sports Entertainment. I don't know exactly what – I don't know how he's made his money. Uh, we could look that up. We could talk about it. I, don't know I think either. it's something to finance. I, I know Michael Rubin. Shout out Michael. Fanatics. Yeah, shout out Fanatics. Michael Rubin's the guy. But you look at that, right? And then you look at what they did. So they bring in Sam Hinkie. Sam Hinkie's the man. They bail on that experiment so quickly, and they bring in this brass of just old-school NBA guys that just the Clangels ruined the Sixers. And now you look at what they do. They have these bookend pieces in Joe and Ben. And they go out and they just spend money frivolously building a team that just isn't meant to play together. And you know what you see when Ben Simmons goes out? You see exactly how bad the contracts of Tobias Harris and um, Al Horford are. Al Horford. They're, they're brutal, man. They're killing this team. And I don't know if you can get out of those contracts. So they're going to stick around and they're going to keep you know, messing around with guys like Brett Brown. How many years of so mediocrity do you question. need, man? So let me ask you a question. Yeah. Because, because – we're, we're, we're firing off at this team from all angles. We're going from, from roster all the way up to ownership. Yep. You can't fix it all at once. Hypothetically speaking, there's one fix you can make that can change this team. What is the fix you make? And what I mean by that is you, get a, you can get a new coach. 
that's, that's considered a fix. You can switch ownership. You can switch a GM. Or you can make some roster moves. But, but on one level playing, one level playing field, what's the fix that you think would be? Because we can't fix everything all at once because that is a second coming of the process if we just say blow it up. And that's, that's not that – we're, we're not in a position for that. What's the fix you think that, fix, that could position us yeah. to be real? Fantastic question. I mean, I think there's two fixes that I could go with. Obviously, I got to pick one. Thank you. Uh, I'm building true leadership at the head coach position, and I'm holding Brett Brown accountable for the lack of success when you have two top 15 players in your starting lineup. I'm changing the head coach. Yeah. What are you, what are you doing? your number one? It has to be I'm, number one. But you said you had two. You want to go to your second, or you want, to, you want me to – Come back. I mean, the, with the, one. yeah. I mean, hit me back with your one because the question was one. I don't want to steal them all. I'm curious what yours. Is. It could be the same thing. I don't think there's shame in that. Mine is my, mine is mine is the coach. Yeah, I mean, it's mine it's is frustrating. Coach. But, but uh, uh, I'm going to elaborate because everybody who's ever watched the Sixers game has talked about get rid of Brett Brown, keep Brett Brown, whatever it is. The dude, that dude is never. He's not gonna. He's not gonna win a championship as a head coach in this city, and yeah. I think. I think people who are conflicted about that are conflicted because of the times he took us through. And I will say this, like he, he knows how to develop an underperforming team. He can coach when there's no pressure involved. You know, I will give Brett Brown a shout out for what he did with Robert Covington. You know, a guy who had no business being in the league and now is a stud in the league and, and has moved on to another team to continue to like a stud is a loose term, but you know, he's a developer. You said it. Yeah. He's a developer. You put, you put a roster in front of him though. And this guy has been playing guess and check with the lineup for the past two years. Yeah. And you know, it's crazy, man. I mean, you hear the, the pod come out with, you know, Jimmy Butler and, you know, JJ Reddick talking about how there was just no structure on that team and this and that. And I was listening to Bob Cooney this morning. He put it really well. He's like, it's the worst fundamentally coached team in the entire NBA. They don't do any of the little things right at all. I mean, you even watched the other night. Dame Lillard goes off on this team. And obviously he's – Dude, Dame, we right? give up more 50-point games to other people than any team. We have yeah. more games where, like, somebody on the other team just goes off on us more than any other team. If you want to score 50 in a game, play the Sixers. What's what I'm saying, dude? Like, they, they don't even make an effort to adjust. There was one moment in that game, and Cooney actually pointed it out, and I went back and I looked at it, and it's true. They come off the screen correctly on Dame. Dame throws the ball out of bounds. They don't attempt to do that for the rest of the entire game. And the lack of adjustments that are made mid-game is insane, but to me even more so, the lack of leadership. And you look across the, uh, the arena, I guess you could say, at the other team in town who has the exact opposite feeling of this team – the team that since really December, you've kind of felt like there's something special going on here. It's the Flyers. Yeah. It's the Flyers. And even the Flyers, you know who had that same feeling? We talked about them back in 2017, the Eagles. And Eagles. both the team, yep. Eagles and the Flyers, their rosters the year before, they only changed marginally to that next year. It wasn't a vast difference. But you know what was the difference? The leadership and accountability from the top down was there. Doug Peterson came so in. So let me ask you another question. Yeah. It starts with Brett, and I think, I think nothing changes until he goes. I think the, the secondary problem is that 
we don't have a leader on the floor itself. So we talk about Ben and Embiid being two top 15 players. Neither of them are team. Like we don't, we don't have a leader on the floor. We don't have a leader because LeBron has never had a coach that's been considered, considered the leader. And I, I hate, you know, there's probably going to be a million more times in this podcast where just like the equivalent becomes LeBron just because, you know, and that's unfair, but we don't, we don't have someone on the floor that demands respect because they're two young guys and they're two young guys that probably live in their own lane. And I don't think we'll ever know the semantics of what they're like off the court. I don't, I think we all know they're not friends, but I think they hold themselves in a way professionally where we're never going to know that they're not friends, but who is the leader? We don't have that. We don't have the leader in the head coaching position and we don't have the leader on the roster. There's no leadership that exists in that locker room. I mean, I agree fully. I would say in response to that, I think there's a couple things. One is you can look at a leader. You can look at a guy like Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons just turned 24 years old, man. So, you know, I mean, how old is Embiid? 26. I think he's 26. So these are two young guys. And for all intents and purposes, with the exception of Jimmy Butler, which you can say what you want. I think Jimmy's got a lot of bravado. I don't necessarily know if he's a leader or not. I mean, he's, he's a guy that loves to, to shout out how hard he works and this and that and the other thing. Yeah. I mean, good for him. I mean, we'll see. He's never really been on a winning team, though. Which he talks. Always, Jimmy yeah. talks too much. He talks. Like, is he actually in the gym at 3 a.m.? I don't know. And if he is, I mean, good for him. I don't necessarily think that makes good you a great leader. Yeah, cool. If you're in the gym that much, you know, why aren't you going to the Hall of Fame? Yeah, exactly. And why are you on a team with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid with good pieces surrounding them as well? You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I don't hate the guy like Jimmy. Yeah. I wish he was on our team right now. I just – I don't necessarily know that he's the leader. So I think you look at it two ways. I do think a coach, a proper coach and leadership in the coaching position can guide a Ben Simmons, can guide a Joel Embiid to be a leader. I mean, Joel, Joel Embiid, he is a leader, but to be honest, he's the wrong kind of leader. He sends the wrong message almost every time he leads in a lot of ways, unless if things are going really well. And it's just immature. In what way? I mean, you look at what he did with Shake Milton the other night, right? It's like their first game back. It's my guy's first game in the starting lineup. He does one thing Joe doesn't like, and Joe's chewing him out on the sidelines. It, it's, it's one thing after yeah. the other with this guy. It's, there's times where he probably could get on the court, and he's not. Whether that's the team holding him back or not, whatever, there's just something about him that's more sideshow than superstar. And yeah. it's, it's What do you think of the uh... – no, I'm that, sorry, Dave. Keep going. I was going to say it's frustrating because you look at what Charles Barkley says, and Charles Barkley's 100% right. He bails the defense out every time he takes a jumper. You know, I mean, this guy gets yeah. in the post, and it's a, oh, he's an automatic bucket every time. Nobody can stop him. But, I will say this. Joel in the post since the bubble started has been a better Joel in the post than I've ever seen He's been great in the bubble like, as a player. I, like it, it's gotten to the point where there are certain games where I lose my mind when we don't give him the ball. I'm just, I'm literally dumbfounded when I'm like, this is the offense. This is it. Like if you're going to shoot pass around, if you're going to try and like Tobias, like, no, give the ball to Joel and let him get doubled and let him pass. Like, he, he can pass out of it so well now. He's been passing out of it so great. And if he doesn't, like, he can make so many moves. Like, I don't want to be hard on Joel because 
Joel is the guy that cannot leave. We cannot get rid of him. He has to stay. He has to be great. We got to give him the ball every single time down the floor and stop being upset with him. Like, if he's shooting threes at the top of the arc, that's not a Joel problem. That's a system problem. I put that on Brett Brown. But if that dude runs down the floor, fits on the block, even though sometimes he catches it a little further from the hoop than I'd like, he is getting doubled. He has learned to pass out of that double. And the rest of the offense flows. I get frustrated when we get down the court and the pass, the inlet pass to him at the post is a little difficult. So we just exclude him from the half court offense. And then it's just a shit show. Like what are we supposed to do? It's, it's money offense. If you're going to miss a jumper off a wide open three, because Joel just passed you out a double team, I will take that, but stop excluding him. If you go down the court five times and you only give it to him three, you wasted two possessions and I'm over it. And it's proven. That's why he's putting up 35 points a game and dropping 21 rebounds. Joel is our offense. And it's a crazy thing to think because you don't have another offense in the entire NBA where the center controls the offense in a half-court set. Well, Jokic and, is, the be- is the next best thing, but it's a different ball game. It's, it, it's, it's a different type of set. When I don't think Jokic has the ability to dominate a basketball game the way Joel Embiid does. I, I love Jokic. Different dominate. It's a different type of dominate. It is. It is for sure. And that's taking nothing away from him. And you know I love Joe. Like, I'm not out here trying to say Joe's the problem. Joe's not a winner. Joe's this. But Joe, at this point in his career, needs to develop into a leader. And I don't, I, I'm at the point where I know he's not going to do that on his own. He's not going to show up for training well, I think, next year and just do that, be a different guy. I think, I think, I think politics and semantics have diluted what that can be. I don't think, you know, and, and you, you referenced the last dance a few minutes back. Like, it's just a different league. Like, when things get tough, people don't put that on the, their shoulders anymore and say, how do I make this team better? People point fingers and say, what team can I go to? You know, you got, you got too many agents in your ears. You got too many things going on. And that's why becoming a, a true fan of a team like the Sixers especially is like almost – it's a paranoid habit. It, it, it's, a, it's, it's a feeling of paranoia because when the going gets tough, you start to worry like who's going to step up and fix it. Like that, you almost think that's not a possibility anymore. The easy fix is for someone to just leave and go team up with someone else. And then you can deal with the criticism if that doesn't work. Well, and that brings up a great point. And you and I have been talking about this, I mean, really, I feel like since December. And it's starting to get some buzz now. And I know we were talking about this before the pod and we were like, all right, we'll probably save this topic for the off season because we still got a playoff run to gear up for, and we're still going to have a top 15 player in the NBA on our team. And we still have some guys that are really expected to be a lot better than they are on this team too. So it's not like our season's dead in the water, but there are veteran superstar caliber players out there on teams that their ropes probably up too. you look at Dame Lillard, how long I love Dame Lillard. You love Dame Lillard. Dame Lillard's if he's yeah. not 30, he's close. The Blazers have been doing this same dance for, what, five years now? You look at um, down in Washington, the John Wall, Bradley Beal experiment. That stuff's been going on. That one is real. It's been going on for years, and they never do anything. They're the same team. At best, they're a five seed in the East. 
when everything is going their way. You look at a guy right now like Devin Booker, and you say, okay, I mean, right now they're, they're cooking in the, uh, in the bubble. But everybody, I mean, there's talk about him getting traded and things like that. And you look at, you have the best asset in Ben Simmons, probably in the whole league, because Ben Simmons and Joel, I think each of them have the ability to be the next best player in the NBA. They have the ability. And they're young enough to where they could happen, in particular, Ben. Yeah. So the question becomes, you look at a guy like Joel, would you trade Ben Simmons straight up for a Dame Lillard? Um, it's <laughs> the, the, the fascinating part of that question is there, there's probably so many people that are out there like, what kind of a question is that? But it's, you have to think of that question in, in the way that you phrased it of the question is not, would you do it? The question is because so many things get in the way of a trade type of question of, well, that team would never do that. Our team would never do that. What this, that, or the other, that question is realistic because it becomes, well, which team says no right? Because the Blazers are fighting for an eight seed right now. So you have to argue if the Blazers want to be a championship team, they want to get away from being an eight seed. So even though they built their team around Dame Lillard, and you would think at the surface, why would they ever get rid of Dame? You also have to think, well, have they reached the maximum with Dame? And do they need to start building for three years from now? And if they're building, Ben's a lot younger, this, that, or the other. So which team says, no, would I do it? Uh, yeah. As a Sixers well, the, fan, I would, I, would, I would trade Ben Simmons for Dame Lillard. I, I think the fit's there with Dame Lillard, right? And I think all of these are they're hypothetical questions. And you hit the nail on the head. Which team says no? And you've seen this in the NBA over the past couple of years. You look at the Thunder, right? The Thunder go from Russell Westbrook, um, Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant obviously walked away. They didn't want that. But they replenished it with Melo and PG, uh, uh, Paul George. And you see teams reach their peak. And teams are very quick nowadays to say – yeah, we're going to go in a different direction. You saw with the Rockets. Th- those two teams just swapped superstars. They said, yeah, we're – the Thunder said, we're pulling the plug yeah. on us. Well, you know? and so- that's what's, what keys on this is those teams well, – it's, it's interesting because there's a lot of ways that you rebuild a team, right? So you can do what the Sixers just did, or not just did, but have done, which is the process, which means you say scrap it, start from scratch – we're going to win in six years or you do when you plateau as a team, but you've got big names and you say, we, we need to try to find a way to win now or relatively close to now and, and do it with trades of big names. And those things happen a lot less. And I think a lot of the reason those things happen a lot less is just because it's so, it's so difficult to pull the trigger, you know, to put Dame, for Ben Simmons, that you got to have some balls on both ends of the spectrum to do that, and that's why those trades don't happen that often. Like you got to have some GM, you got to have two different GMs on different sides of the spectrum that know Twitter is going to blow up when that move happens, and you got to really feel all in because it's an equal risk on both sides at the same time because both teams are doing the same move for a win now type of mentality or a win within the next two three years mentality. It's a tough thing to do, and that's why I think it doesn't happen as, as, much as, we, as, as much as we anticipate or speculate that it would. I mean, you're spot on. It's one of those you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. I mean, that's where we go back to the original question. If you had to do one thing, what would you do? I 100% go coach because, to me, I still believe in two players that have the ability next year 
to be top 10 players in the NBA. They have the ability to go do that. They could take that step forward. The gap between Giannis and Ben to me is not that great from a talent perspective. In terms of what they put out there on the court. I don't know about that. I think Ben can be that type of player, man. I look at what Ben brings to the table from a skill set perspective. I'm not talking about is he actually – there's no doubt that Giannis is a better player, right? That's not, that's not what I'm debating. Giannis is more than a player. He's a leader. Giannis is a man, dude. But what I'm saying ben is – Ben is a background ben, singer. But Ben is capable of being that. I, I believe that. I believe Ben Simmons is capable of being that. Now, is that a ceiling? Yeah, that's a pretty lofty ceiling. But I believe he's capable of being that. He's a special talent – and he's dedicated to his game, and I believe he could do that. So if I had a, if I had but a the choice. difference is, the difference is this, Dave. Giannis is so good that he is that team. That's why people like you hear the debate all the time between Giannis and LeBron, who's more valuable to their team, because it's so crazy to imagine taking them off that team and seeing what they would be. Like, Ben is nowhere near that level because we're about to see it right now. He's out for the rest of the season. And, like, unless we start losing every game by 20 points, you can't make that comparison. No, you're, you're, you're right about that. I'll give that to you. You're right about that. But what I'm I'm talking about future potential. I'm not talking about right now. I'm not talking about today. And I think it's a frustrating thing with the Sixers because, to me, both Ben and Joel should have developed to some sort of that level. And neither one of them are close. That's, to me, the frustrating thing. And I think that's what goes back to the leadership. From the front office down, nobody's holding these guys accountable to develop their game. They're the same player every year when they come back. And I think that's the, that's the challenging thing, you know? So what makes this team a good team? In your eyes, what makes this team over the hurdle? I asked you the question earlier, what's the one change? You said the coach. So now let's bring it to the secondary change. What makes it? Do you get – like, because in my opinion – I think this team becomes a great team if we – I don't want I – I never want to get rid of Joe. I think we have one of the best talents ever in Joe, and I think if we put a scoring point guard with Joe, like you said, a Dame, and there are other names out there that could match with it, I think if you put a scoring point guard with Joe, the team becomes different. But that's my opinion. What I mean, makes I, this team a great team? I, I would agree with you. I think that's one of the ways to do it. To be honest, I think one thing that could make this team a great team is just the accountability. I think that actually could make the team a great team. The accountability factor, I think, is massive. And you've seen it with two other teams down in Philadelphia alone. So where the roster's on paper, you're looking at them season in, season out, and you're like, damn, like these teams should be better than what they are. We're frustrated, we're frustrated, we're frustrated. You get the right accountability and the right system in place to put these guys in position to play basketball or any other sports, football and hockey, they win. And they show up, they win, they have fun doing it, and it's special. It's very, very cool to see. So I do think that that's something that is um, alone to do it. If I had to pick a secondary move, I mean, there's two routes you can take, right? The one is, and I agree with you, I keep Joe over Ben. I think Joe is, I think Joe is a dominant player in this league today. Ben's not there yet. I think Ben could. I think there's two options. One is exactly what you said. I, to be honest, and I've mentioned this before, I think you could trade Ben Simmons. You call up the Washington Wizards today. And you say, hey, you guys have been trying this John Wall, Bradley Beal thing for years. It's not working. You have to hit the reset button. These two guys are pushing 30. They're not your guys to rebuild around for the next 10 years. Ben Simmons is 24. 
give me both those guys. Obviously, there's salary cap things to figure out and all of that. Give me both those guys. I give you Ben Simmons. And all of a sudden, you have a very dynamic-looking team because you have the abilities on ball with John Wall. You have the ability off ball with Bradley Beal, who's one of the most underrated scorers in the NBA. And then you have the dominance of Joel Embiid down low. You know, so that, that is definitely one of the moves. The other thing is to try to just get rid of Al because that contract is going to shackle this team and replace Al with a legitimate Jimmy Butler, but a Jimmy Butler that's a better scorer than Jimmy Butler. That type give me a name. I, I don't know who's out there right now to give you a name. I wish you got to give I a name. You can't move on. We're not moving on until you give a name. I need a name. I mean, I'm talking like a Bradley Beal type player. I mean, a Bradley okay. Beal, Devin Booker, that type of guy. Right? Like he's not. Right, so a stud shooting guard that might not be, you know, the established stud shooting guard. Yeah. Like he's because a, he's my not, other guy that comes to mind when I talk, put up, put, put, you know, the type of guy that I think when I say, hey, put a scoring point guard with Joel, you know, you go, you go to, you, and now we're just playing fantasy basketball, but like you talk Dane Lillard. I was talking to my brother the other day, and I was like, dude, let's just get rid of Ben and get Steph Curry in there. You get Steph with Joel, it's game over. And he starts laughing at me like that's never going to happen. But, you know, you get a Trey Young with, with Joel Embiid. Like that's – now you've got, like you got a chance to make things happen because it's not about the names and, and how good they are. It's about putting a team together that can play together. So I see what you're saying. It's just a harder thing to do. And I love that the Wizards keep coming up because I've been saying this for like three years. The Wizards are probably the worst team in the world to be a fan of because they are the Sixers before the Sixers decided to do the process. They're the consummate team where their ceiling is the sixth seed and their four is missing the playoffs by like one or two teams outside of the playoff scope. Like what kind of a team is that to root for? What are you ever going to get out of that? So if you're the GM of the Wizards right now, you have no choice but to look to make massive action take place. Well, like, like getting rid of Beal and Wall is a logical move for them to make because what are they doing? What yeah, are they, they going to do? They've got to blow it up. They, they, ha- they have no choice but to blow it up. I mean, you've been talking about the Beal trade for years now. Like they they got to blow that up, and it's going to happen with some team, and you just happen to have talent to give up. To be honest, that might not even take Ben Simmons. Um, I don't know what it would. We could speculate on that all day. But they, there's some team out there that will – those are the types of guys that get traded for way less than they should. You know, and that, I think that's the, the, the thing to take away. I look at the Trey Young example, and while I agree with you, um, I think Trey Young is much harder to pry away. He's a young guy. He's up and coming. They love him. Um, and I think that's a guy that they look at and they say they might actually view as equal to a Ben Simmons in terms of upside for their franchise. So while, yes, yeah. if I'm Atlanta, I still pull that trigger, I think that might be you know, tough to pull away. And I don't know that I – I think you can get more for Ben Simmons than Trey Young. I, I think yeah. if you call, you call Washington, you say, hey, I need Bradley Beal right now. I don't think Washington even lets you get the words out. They, they've got him on the bus ready to go. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, it's – Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, people have been joking about the Wizards being invited to the bubble all along, and it's, it's just to even out the fact that the West – has some real competition for that eight seed and the East does not. So they just wanted to fill it out. So I got, I have one more question that I posed earlier. 
to a couple buddies of mine, and I thought it would be interesting to get your take in terms of the NBA. We, we know how frustrating it is to be a Sixers fan with or without him, you know, disregard the injury. If what is the team in the NBA that you wish you were a fan of remove all bias of where you're from, where you grew up, the history based off the team that exists right now and the product on the floor. What's the team West Western conference or Eastern conference that you wish you were a fan of? Do you mean for this bubble or do you mean in general for the foreseeable future? In general, uh, in general for the foreseeable future, but I think the bubble plays a role in it. If the, the team where if you were, you grew up in that city and you rep that team your whole life right now would be the moment where you were so proud to be a, a fan of that team. What's the team you would be like, hell yeah, I rep this team. Man, I feel so dirty answering this question right now. Because uh, I feel so proud to be a Sixers fan and that's where I want to be. Why? I feel not proud to be a Sixers fan. That's what made uh, me think of the question in the first place. It, it's Philadelphia, man. I mean, Philadelphia, there's a, there's a certain culture, there's Dude, certain character, no. there's a certain... I want, it, I want to allow it. You've got to remove the bias. Uh, put I'll, I'll remove it. I'm going to answer the question. I'm, I'm going to answer the question. I'm just putting, the, uh, I, putting it out there that I feel dirty answering it. There's a team that jumped into my head right away, and I think there's a couple factors for this. Um, but... Okay. I think the biggest piece of it is I'm a, I'm a huge LeBron fan. Huge LeBron fan. Been a LeBron fan since day one. You and me both. I think the guy you and me both. Is... We recognize greatness when the greatness exists. That's why his name's going to come up on every pod we ever do, dude. LeBron, yeah. LeBron will just live on this podcast. And that's I mean, okay. I think I, I don't understand the LeBron hate. I mean, people love to hate greatness. They just do. And I get that to a degree. But they also don't give them. I love respect. to hate people who love to hate greatness. It's frustrating. It just really is frustrating. Like I love Tom Brady. And I hate the Patriots, and I love to root against them. But I also love it. Like I think you love the Buccaneers. I, I don't love the Buccaneers. I don't think the Buccaneers make much noise this year. I think that was a bad, bad business decision by Brady. They're playing fantasy football down there a little bit. We'll see if it works out. Um, but I would go to the Lakers, and there's a couple reasons. I mean, the history there is just great. If I was in L.A., I would rep the Lakers so hard. It's the one team in California that has a legitimate fan base and has a legitimate we-have-that-East-Coast-type fan base, right, that just cares about that team. So that's, they got that culture going on. They have the history, obviously everything with Kobe. Do you think they have that Kobe. culture because the Lakers are real like that or because – They've just, they've just been so good at putting a product on the floor so consistently with very few down years. That, yeah, that's why that's LA's team. They win. Because they that's one thing. Like, it's, like you're saying that they're a great fan base because regardless of the product on the field, they're always going to have that. But they're, the Lakers, historically, their down years are very few and far between. Oh, 100%. But that's, but that's part of what makes it a cool organization to root for. As you look at them, their history, there's the Showtime Lakers. There's the Shaq and Kobe Lakers. There's the, the LeBron, Anthony Davis Lakers now. You look at the team like the Sixers, and, yeah, you had Dr. J for a little bit. Will, but that was a long time ago. And then you got AI. And now we're here with the process. You know, you look at the, the Knicks. You got Patrick Ewing. You know, the only other team that really can – you look at the Bulls even. You just have that Jordan era, which, yes, it's a phenomenal era, but that's one thing. The entire history of the Lakers is phenomenal. 
So, like, that's that's one aspect. But more so than that, LeBron. I mean, you look at LeBron and Anthony Davis, like, I would rep that so hard. I love both those players. Um, I think Anthony Davis is also very underrated in the league. Um, and I just love – I love the two of them together. And I think they're just elevating that team every time they step on the floor. And I think they're going to be tough to contend with. They're my pick to win it all. Um, although, I will say – So, are you answering that Davis, question on the basis of the team – and I'm sorry to cut you off. Are you answering that question on the basis of the team that you think is going to be the team that wins it all this year? Because my question was not who's the best team in the league. My question is if you could pick to be a fan and go out and shout from the rooftops, this is my squad. I rep this team and just be proud of what, what you're seeing. Cause right now, like the thing that's always made us being proud of Philly is the intangibles. We're from Philly. We want people to know we're from Philly. That's, that's, that's something I tell people when I travel for work all the time. It's like, why do people from Philly always want to tell other people that they're from Philly? Because we're proud, man. And the only yeah. other city I've seen it from a sports perspective on this level is Boston. So, yeah. like, though, like though, it, it, it's a pride thing. I'm not asking, like, what team do you, do you think you wish you were a fan of because they're the best. I'm asking what team – would you be able to get behind? Does that change your answer? Because can I tell you my answer to that question right now in the NBA? Yeah, go ahead. Toronto. Is it Port uh, Toronto. Okay. I was going to Portland for me is like, if you give me like the all in all, everything considered, I love Portland. That's a team I could get behind right now. Why yeah, Toronto? And, and, and well, I'll say this too. You know, you make a good point with Portland because I think uh, if Portland catches that eight seed, Portland Lakers is a great. Well, I think we all we're all we're all going to put the Lakers on paper. But I would love that series. You you better believe I'm not missing a game in that series. That's going to be fun. But Toronto, dude, Toronto is the roster you want. Toronto is that roster that reminds you of the teams like they won a championship last year. They lost their best player. And they operate at a high level. They play team ball. They play. They they do everything we wish we had as Sixers fans. Yeah, we have the that? team on paper because we put the team on paper. We got the roster on paper that should do it all, and we and that's why we live so frustrated. They got the roster that you don't you you don't recognize on paper. You got an old Lowry, and you got Siakam, and Siakam is still as hyped as he is underrated and and they just they're a team that plays together man like they're my pick out of the east again and if they win again it's because they play as a team like that's a championship type of team like they they play ball the way you want to root for a team to play ball so you know it's not about the the amount of money you pay to put on a roster it's about the team that plays together and goes out and wins and, and you feel confident in that team in Toronto, dude, what they do just blows my mind. And this season has been so impressive. And then they come back in the bubble and they're still doing it. Like it, it's, it's so cool to be that kind of like, they have that element of semi under, under the radar, but also like <laughs> nobody wants to play Toronto. Toronto. Nobody Let's wants to touch them on the court. Well, let's bring a full circle here. What's the difference between Toronto and the Sixers? Uh, team basketball. Okay, where does that come from in your mind? Uh, leadership. Yeah, to me it's Nick Nurse. 
I, I think you put Nick Nurse on the Sixers and you swap him and Brett Brown, I think the Sixers are far and away the number one seed in the East. You can only say that because you've seen what Nick Nurse does with that team. You'll, you, I mean, that's all speculation. You never know. You never know. You never know. We don't know what yeah. it's like in that locker room. We don't know if Nick Nurse has a, you know, I, I, you know, personally outside of this podcast, I manage a team of people. So I know what it's like to deal with personalities and dynamic and, and trying to get people to, to live cohesively. And a lot of that is a product of the people that you have and, and what you can do with that. And, you know, I think Nick Nurse has a luxury there. I think we have a, a, a question mark of an identity. And Brett Brown is not the guy that can figure it out. Nick Nurse is probably a better guy that could. But that's also a hard thing to, to just say plug and play. It's a yeah, hard thing no. to do. No, I hear you. I hear you on that for sure. And you bring up a good point even managing people. I mean, in my management career as well, there's times where with teams, you you shine because of the product that you have, right? Like if you have a great team with a great chemistry and they come together and they do great things, sometimes it's there and it takes the right leader for the right group of people to really shine through. I agree with that wholeheartedly. But when I say Nick Nurse, I think the thing for me is it even goes above Nick Nurse in a lot of ways because you listen to Kyle Lowry talk about that organization. They traded for him, which by the way, he was a – role player for his entire career before then, you know, with Memphis and, and all these other teams. And he um, shows up to the Raptors and they bring him in and they challenge him to change the culture. They challenge him to be something there and they held him accountable for it. And Kyle Lowry is, he's come out and spoken about that, just the culture in that organization, the accountability that exists from the top down. And then you put a coach in there that holds the players accountable, develops the players, and puts them in a system to maximize their strengths. That's what I just wish the Sixers had. And the one thing that makes me hold back a little bit from, yes, no doubt I would trade Ben Simmons today for a day Miller or something like that, is what would they look like? And I would love to see that next year because I think you can still pull the same type of trade off a year from now. I would love to see one more year with accountability, with a coach, that isn't going to come out and get disrespected because he says, I want Ben Simmons to shoot and Ben Simmons takes like two jumpers all year. I mean, that's just straight disrespectful. Your head coach is doing that. Clearly Ben Simmons does not care. They just, I, I just don't believe Ben Simmons cares about Brett Brown. If my basketball coach, I don't care if I'm LeBron James or somebody else. If there's a healthy respect there. Your head coach wants you to do something. You go do it. You at least make an yeah. effort to do it. Or you come out yeah. and have a conversation internally and get on the same page. But Brett Brown continues to publicly yeah. ask him to do something, and he just doesn't even do it. He doesn't even acknowledge it. Well, right? it, well, and that's what that's where Brett Brown is wrong, and that's where Embiid is wrong, and that's where leadership lacks. Is and and we'll never know what goes on inside of practice. We'll never know what these guys are saying to a guy like Ben, but we do know that they make a lot of passive aggressive comments about shooting to the media. Hey, we need more guys to step up and shoot. Things like that. We all know what that means, but it, it, that's all bullshit in, unless you're in practice saying, Ben, shoot the fucking ball. And that's the way I see it. So it, it, it's, it's a moot point. So to say Nick Nurse comes in and changes that implies that Nick Nurse is the guy that comes in and, and tells him, grabs him by the throat and says, shoot the ball. And that's all I got to say about that. Looks like we got some technical difficulties on the pod. 
No, we cool. We cool. We back. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I hear you. And obviously, I mean, Nick Nurse isn't going to be the guy. My, my pipe dream for this is that somehow Boston doesn't make it this year. And they decide to part ways with Brad Stevens, and then we find a way to scoop him up. I think Brad Stevens is a phenomenal yeah, coach. And- I agree with that. That's a segment for another day. Last question, real quick. We can only uh, what 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 are our capabilities? We can only get fourth, fifth, or sixth place. So if we get uh, fourth, I'm- we're going to play the fifth seed. If we get fifth, we're going to play the fourth seed. If we get sixth, we're going to play the third, which is Boston. So we're either going to play Miami, Indiana, or Boston. So out of that three, who do you want in round one without Ben Simmons? Um- who do I want in terms of who we could beat? Indiana. I want them to beat Miami, though. I really want I agree. to get Jimmy, and I want to beat Jimmy. Um, and I just wanted to beat that Miami team. I don't, want, I don't want Miami. That would feel great. We beat Jimmy, yes. You're right, but we're not going to beat Miami. You know I, what I really I don't, do? I don't want to go through it. I don't want to, I don't want to face it because we're going to lose, and I don't, I don't want to deal with that. You know what I really just want to see in this postseason? It would make me just feel so much better about this team. I want to see Embiid just rise up and be exactly what we've talked about on this podcast and just be a leader. And be like, Ben's not out here anymore. I'm sick of being a joke. I'm sick of podcasts like the bank statement talking about us not being this team that we should be. I'm sick of the national media saying I'm injury prone and all this stuff. And just put the team on his back, take him farther than anybody expected, and be a baller doing it. That, that's really just what I want to see this postseason. We'll see if it happens. I think it's, he's capable. If he does that, they win two series. I believe that. If, if, ben, if Joel Embiid comes out and he plays Joel Embiid caliber basketball, what he's capable of, they win two series this, this uh, postseason, my opinion. Do you know what I want? What's that? I want to buy a house with a, with a backyard where I can build a nice part three course. And, and, and sit back all day and have landscapers come in for free, keep that thing maintained. But you know what, Dave? That's just not going to happen. So wow. I you, think, you, hitting, you hitting reality check on me? I think, that's, I think we just got to, you know, we got to face the facts and we got to realize what we got. And what we got is some other teams in this city that are showing up. And I know you've been watching the Flyers, and I know we got some people that say, yo, what's up? Is this a Sixers pod? Or is this a Philly pod? And I think we need to show some love to the fly guys who locked up the one seed two nights ago. It's a big deal, man. When was the last time we had a one seed in the playoffs? Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Were they the one seed? They were the one seed, yeah. 100%. Home field All throughout. Right, so, so, boom. Gang, gang. That's how you do it. You win a championship when you're the one seed. Yeah, I think the Flyers are – the way they're playing right now is absolutely phenomenal. And I think the greatest thing about this team is the depth that you're seeing. And obviously that's a national story. You're looking at fourth-line guys coming in there scoring goals. You got a 21-year-old goaltender playing phenomenal hockey in his first postseason-type experience, um, playing against some of the best lines in hockey in Boston, against one of the best teams in hockey when you look at Tampa Bay – um, and even Washington, just they've been around for the last couple of years, just consistent force in the league, and he's holding his own. I mean, this team is special. They really, really are. I'd be shocked, to be honest with you, and this is objective. I'm a little bit of a homer when it comes to the Sixers because I can't believe where we're at. It's so sad to me. Um, if you asked me before the season which one of these two teams had a better chance to make it to the finals in their sport, Sixers all day. But the way the Flyers are just gelling right now is unbelievable, and I'd be shocked if they did not make the cup. So talk to talk to the viewers, not to me, because you know me, man. Like I live and breathe the Flyers. 
So you know I know everything there is to know. But talk they to the viewers. Yeah, dude. I, like, I literally, I, I lose sleep just dreaming about, like, uh, slap shots and, and wrist shots. Like, those yeah. are my things. So talk, <laughs> talk, to the, talk to the podcast viewers about what, what happened with this Flyers team that made them just turn it up so quick. Well, there's a couple things. I know we're running low on time here a little bit, but you look at this team and they bring in a coach that puts a system in play that just really suits his players. So that's the first thing. He comes in, he brings accountability to the room. He's not afraid to bench a guy um, that, that's not really playing up to the standards of hockey that this team plays. And I think that's had a profound impact. Delaney Vignon has done a phenomenal job with this team. That's number one. Second, you look at the goaltending situation. You look at Carter Hart, a 21-year-old kid, playing phenomenal hockey night in, night out. And what's incredible about that is the confidence that gives the team in front of him, those five guys, it, it's incredible to watch how much more confident they play hockey with, knowing that if they make a minor mistake, they're going to get bailed out on the other end, right? They know that. There's a confidence with that team that they're going to consistently get bailed out by their goaltender. Um, that's something they haven't had in years in that locker room. The fourth, the third thing, excuse me, that you're looking at with this team is they made some key acquisitions this summer um, that really, really positioned them well. Some would say they overpaid Kevin Hayes. Literally, Rangers fans are all in their mentions on Twitter laughing about the contract we gave Kevin Hayes. He was the perfect signing. He's what we all were kind of hoping Al Horford would be, much younger, better version. But he's the perfect fit for this team. And I think collectively what it's all done is this team does things the right way. When they're on the ice, they make the little things look easy and effortless, and you don't even notice it. When they break up a pass on a power play, when they make the right pass in transition, when they don't overskate the puck, little things like that are what makes this team so special. And then on top of it all, they still have the star power with Claude Giroux. They still have the star power with Travis Konechny. They still have the guys like Jake Voracek that are just going to show up and show out every single night and it's just really phenomenal to watch this hockey team and i cannot wait for wednesday night at eight yeah is, is that game one game one montreal Canadiens wednesday night at eight i have the flyers winning this series running away man i think they i think they coast through this one i really don't see them not getting to the cup carter hart showed me nothing but confidence in the net I, I'm really, really, really high on this team right now. And I think everybody is. There's no real way to, to get around that. Well, I think we need something, right? You know, we need something to be high on. And if you're out there, you're listening, you know, you probably know based off this pod alone that we're, we're heavy on the Sixers and, and we can get heavy on the Eagles and different things. But we're, we're four for four over here and we, we try to keep it we try to keep the love floating all around. So if the Flyers can be that saving grace, I know I'm going to hop on, and I hope everybody else out there is going to hop on and, and tune, tune in Wednesday night. We, you know, I'll be locked in. I hope we all get locked in because something special could, could take place here. And if, if that's what it takes for all of us to get on board, then that's what we need right now because, yeah. I don't know, man. The, bubble, the bubble's been fun. You know, it's just good to have sports back in general. It's good to be able to see – anything you know I'll, I'll watch brooklyn play sacramento all day every day if that if, if that's what keeps us going to keep sports alive but it, it's good to know that we got the flyers holding it down for us and we got a couple other teams out there that are showing promise and, and we're going to keep the knowledge coming man you know we just want to 
we want to keep the chatter alive. That's all this is about. We want to hear from you guys and we want to hear feedback. We want to hear everything we can. So, so that's what this is all about, man. You know, I, yeah. I don't want to keep it heavy on the Sixers. I want to keep it heavy on everything. And I appreciate you, Dave, for your knowledge is, is unlike anybody else. Right back at you, AK. Right back at you, man. And you guys can get in touch with us, um, social media, Twitter, Instagram, at the Bank PHL. I uh, would love to talk some hockey with you guys. Obviously, we'd love to talk Sixers basketball as well. We got the Eagles about a month away, um, you know, if they have a season. And we'd love nothing more as we kind of continue through these weeks to start talking about conversations like, would a bubble parade even be fun? What does that even look like? What does a quarantine championship look like? Does it even count the same? You know, I'd love to have those conversations here if the Flyers do make this run. And, you know, stranger things have happened than a, than a superstar stepping up in the city of Philadelphia and making a nice run for us. And um, let's, let's not underestimate Joel Embiid and what he can do and what those guys can do as well, man. I mean, they're frustrating. Um, I'm not really holding my breath, but, but let's, uh, let's hope that those guys can give us an exciting run as well. And we'll keep it alive. You know, we'll, we'll keep the chatter going. So anyone who rides with us, we ride with you. Peace and love, all the above, and just keep, keep the 215 in your heart. That's all we ask. Yes, sir. We'll be right back real soon here in a couple of days, um, and we'll catch everybody soon. Talk to you guys later. All right. Peace.